Well, praise the Lord, saints of God. Praise the Lord. Hello, this is Pastor Mark A. Stroud. Hello, and I want to greet you once again in that glorious, matchless, and majestic name of the Lord Jesus Christ. His name is above all other names, and we give him praise today. And I want to welcome you to yet another episode of Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, we're going to continue in the series entitled, The Haves and the Have-Nots. Today's subtitle is, The Slave of Christ. That's a powerful title, and it begs a question. Are you a slave of Christ? Do you call Jesus Christ Lord? And you know the word Lord actually means master, owner, ruler. Is Jesus Christ your master? Is he your owner? Is he your ruler? Is he your Lord? Well, if he is, you have certain rights and privileges that only belong to those that serve him. Well, we're going to talk about that today and a whole lot more as we continue to discover the meaning of biblical Christianity. So stick around. I know you're going to be marvelously blessed. Don't forget to join us on the web 24 hours a day at kingdomrock.org. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube and a host of other places right there on the website. So we will be so glad to have you. I really would. All right, without any further ado, here comes the message entitled, The Slave of Christ, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Second Timothy, the book of Second Timothy, we're going right back there today. Second Timothy, when you get to Second Timothy, uh, Second Timothy, the third chapter, Second Timothy three. When you get it, say, I got it. If you need more time, say, hold up. All right, all right, we'll give you more time. And we want to also greet our online community, Kingdom Rock. Let's greet our online community with a rousing hi-yo. Oh, we wish you were here. Welcome to the services. We love you very much. And by the way, you can uh, also have the opportunity to give just by clicking the donate button there. If you're using your mobile device, it's right under the player. Uh, if you're using or your laptop or your desktop, you'll find the donate button right at the top right hand corner of the screen. We're so glad that you made it. And if you're close by, you should have gotten out the pad. <laughs> but we still love you. Amen. All right, 2 Timothy, the third chapter. Uh, we're going to start just reading verses 1 through 5. And remember, we're in the series entitled, The Have and the What? And the Have Nots. A return to biblical Christianity. Return to biblical Christianity. Now, we've said that there are, in this world today, the world has marked out, they have, I mean, they've said, uh, People said they were Christians, and they're really not. We talked about one of the most uh, popular ones on last week uh, in, the, in the message entitled um, Humanistic Christianity. Humanistic Christianity. And humanistic Christianity always puts the human before Christ. And God's not pleased with that. Are you with me? Amen. We also talked about the Christian buts, right? I'm a Christian, but... Which means, again, me before Christ. As long as I get my needs met first, then I'll serve Jesus. But that is not biblical Christianity. They call themselves Christians. And uh, here again, there's still a doctrine that goes around in today's church 
that says that you can be a Christian and not really follow Christ. There's no such thing as that. There's no such thing as being a Christian and not following Christ. And we've also talked about people going into churches and playing and praying a magical prayer. A magical prayer. Well, you want to get, you want to have Jesus in your life? Well, come on. Come down and pray this short prayer, magical prayer, and poof, you're a Christian. But it's going to take more than just praying a prayer. Are you hearing? Just more than a group of words, you're really going to have to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of your heart. Now, starting in prayer, that's not, that's a good thing. But some think that's it. Okay, that's it. Then I can go back out and do what I want to do. So we are kicking over that, that cow. We're kicking over that golden cow. That's non-existent. And so this is why we're in a series to have and have nots. Let's go ahead and read this. 2 Timothy, the third chapter, verses 1 through 5. This is our root scripture for the, uh, for the series. And I believe this is part number seven, if I'm correct, in the series for seven weeks now. All right. Uh, verse 1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, uh, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affle- affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than God. And here is our, our note scripture here in verse number five. Let's try to read it together. Ready? Let's read. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Having a form of godliness, but no power. The haves and the have nots. The true church of Jesus Christ not only looks like Jesus, but has the power of Jesus. The false church is like a mannequin. It has a form, but nobody's home. Okay, so because these end times, the Lord said that in the last days, of course, um, there are going to be those, uh, there are going to be a group of people that's going to be led away by false teachers, by false doctrine. So it is needful for us. The Lord sends this message from heaven so that you, so that we can know uh, and be aware of the hour and the season that we are in so that you can identify the real from the false. Remember, when wheat and tare grow up, they grow up together and they look just about alike until the time of harvest. Uh, the wolf that's in sheep's clothing looks kind of like a sheep if you can get past the fangs. Are you understanding? So this is what we're looking at now. We're looking at a biblical picture of what Christianity really is, and we're making sure that we're patterning our lives after it. Now, let's go to um, uh, Matthew, Matthew 7. We're going to get this too as well. Matthew, the seventh chapter, Matthew 7. And uh, this is our scripture of concern today, Matthew 7. When you get to Matthew, the seventh chapter, say, I got it. All right. Got some fast flippers today. Need a little more time? Say, hold up. All right. All right. No problem. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. And uh, this is our point of concern today. 
Now, I'm going to tell you why in just a second. This scripture is a point of concern, and we're going to, uh, we're going to read this, and I'm going to tell you the concerns that we have, and you're going, to you're going to see the concerns as well. And then I'm going to give you the subtitle of the series for today. This is what the Lord is saying from heaven to us right now. Okay? Amen? All right. Matthew 7, let's look at verses 21 through 23. Here is our point of concern. It says here, not everyone that saith unto me, one, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many, say many, many, many shall say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them or declare unto them, make this decree unto them. This is a holy verdict. Then will I confess or profess unto them what? I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Stop there for a moment. Catch this scene. End of time. We're out of these bodies. We're standing before the Lord. And there will be many that will stand before Jesus and say, Lord, Lord. Many that call him Lord. Now the word Lord here in the Greek means master, means owner. Now we need to grab a hold of that. Master, owner. Lord, Lord, master, owner. Have we done all this for you? I've done, I've spent my life doing things for you. But Jesus said, I don't know you. I never knew you. So the question is, does Jesus know you? Not merely do you know Jesus or know of Jesus. Does Jesus know you? Now here again, here's the point of concern. Because if Jesus does not know you, and the word know in the Greek, of course, talks about intimacy. Uh, the same intimacy as with a husband and a wife, that intimate connection, not just surface. We can all say that we know of President Lincoln, Amen. Amen. but you don't know him. You say, well, I know of, I know Brad Pitt. I can tell you all about what they say about him in the tabloids. I can tell you this and I can tell you what size underwear he wears. I can tell you all about Brad Pitt, but you don't know him. Amen. Amen. I hope you don't know what underwear size he wears. <laughs> but you understand? Amen. People can know the historical Jesus. They can know the baby that's in the manger, but they don't know him. And but the bigger question is, does he know you? So here is the point of concern. This is why we are in this series. I don't want you. And it is my it is my assignment here as pastor to make sure that you are ready for that day. Because when that day comes, you don't get detention. You get hell. You understand that? That's a bad, bad, bad place. And there is no exit. Hallelujah. Are you are you hearing? All right, to that end, we're to that end, we're we're we are in the series. 
Now, there are many things that the Lord calls us in Scripture, many things that we're called. We're called the true believers, the, the body of Christ uh, that have made themselves ready. We are, are called the bride of Christ. We're called friends of God. We're called children of God, right? Um, uh, we're called sons of God. And we're called servants in different places. But the word servant, and we're going to look at this, also translates to slave. Praise Jesus. So today we're going to speak from the subject of, oh, you picked a good day to come. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Today we're going to speak from the subject of the slave of Christ. I ain't nobody. Okay, oh, we'll see. The slave of Christ. Ask your neighbor, are you a slave of Christ? Let's look at that. Let's look at that. Now, here again, as we... As we, the word slave for many is offensive when you look at American culture and other things, but we're going to really get into this today for the brief time we have today. All right. We are called to be slaves of Christ, not merely servants. Jesus paid and bought slaves. A servant is, is hired and uh, can leave or quit as soon as he thinks that this arrangement is no longer beneficial. I can get out of here. I'm, in, I'm, I'm with you now, but if you start acting crazy, I'm out of here. Which is really what um, today's modern day, uh, many in today's church and even in the world system think about marriage. It's no longer binding to them. It says, well, if it doesn't work out, we'll just get a divorce. But when you say your marital vows, it is till death do us part. I can't get no talking here. Now, of course, the Lord allows these things. He, the Lord hates divorce, but he will allow it for the cause of um, adultery, for the cause of uh, sexual immorality within the relationship. Hallelujah. He will allow also for uh, a time of separation. If one of y'all is hidden on the other, ding, 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 it's time for y'all to go back to your own corners until we can get some stuff worked out okay turn the cheek does not mean let me beat you till you're halfway unconscious every time you walk through the door and then we keep staying here no it's gonna have to be some ding 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 referee comes in until we get some things resolved because if you beat on one another somebody got a problem there's a devil or a demon in there somewhere we got to deal with this. Hallelujah. So again, uh, the Lord has not called primarily, we, we would see, called us to be not merely servants. A servant can quit or you're an employee can quit whenever you think it's uh, not beneficial for you anymore. But a slave has nowhere to go. A slave uh, is owned by the master him uh, his family everything that he owns is owned by the master his life is no longer his own so here again in being a Christian being a disciple being a follower of Christ you cannot ignore this word slave of Christ 
Yes, we are friends of God. Hallelujah. Yes, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, we are in intimate relationship with him. Hallelujah. But if you're really going to be saved, delivered and set free, you cannot ignore the word slave. Slave meaning you don't own you. You can write this down. First Corinthians six chapter first Corinthians six, 19 through 20. Let me read it to you. I have the King James version. It says, what know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God and ye are not your own. You do not. If you are born of God. Now, let's let me make that caveat there. If you are born of God, if you are born and born again, you are not your own. Jesus owns you. Isn't that wonderful? He owns you. I'm owned by Jesus. What does that mean? Well, I'm owned by love. I'm owned by mercy. I'm owned by grace. I'm owned by goodness. I'm owned by power, ultimate power. I'm owned by majesty. I'm owned by dominion. I'm owned by might. Everything that he is, because I belong to him, I can receive from him. Are you hearing? It's kind of like home ownership versus renting. If you're renting a house, something goes wrong, um, you know, or if you're a steward over the house, something goes wrong, you can go back to the owner. But if you own it, it breaks. You fix. Are you hearing? But if you are a steward of this, then you can call the owner and say, owner, fix me. Fix me. Are you hearing? He is owner. He is ruler. First Corinthians seven, verse 23 says this. I love the way the uh, New Living Translation says this. Well, let me go ahead and finish reading on first Corinthians six, 19 and 20. It says here again, 19. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Verse 20, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body belongs to God. Your spirit belongs to God. You belong to God. Are you hearing? Now, the Lord created everything, so ultimately we can say that he owns everything. He owns everything. But Jesus purchased us through his redemptive blood, and now we belong to him. Are you hearing? We're going to get happy in just a moment. You won't get happy. Now, the apostles identify themselves as being the slaves of Christ. You can write this down, Romans 1 and 1. Paul says here, Romans 1 and 1, he says, uh, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, the word servant in the Greek, uh, in the Greek is, um, means uh, slave, di, um, doulos, doulos. The Greek word there is doulos, it means slave. So Paul is saying, Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. That's um, Romans 1 and 1. In Philippians 1 and 1, we see again Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, 
That's that word uh, uh, doulos again, which means slaves. They're, they're saying that we are the slaves of Christ. James 1 and 1. James, it says, James, a servant of God and of Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes that are scattered, that are scattered abroad. Greetings. They're saying again, James is saying, I'm a slave. Simon Peter in uh, 2 Peter 1 and 1 says, Peter, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. In other words, I am a slave. All of the apostles, as you see here in scripture, identified themselves as being slaves of Jesus, saying, I am not my own. I am bought with a price. I am accountable to my master. A return to biblical Christianity. Now, this fake stuff that's out there today says you can give your life to Jesus, then do what you want to do. The devil is a liar. Are you hearing me? I'm speaking to you a false doctrine of heresy. You cannot do what you want to do when someone else owns you. Hallelujah. Now, back in biblical days, especially... Uh, if we talk about the uh, Hebrew slavery, in Hebrew slavery, slaves had certain rights. And the father uh, made sure that he put into the, the Mosaic law that slaves had certain rights and they were treated fairly and they could worship and they could observe the festivals and, and all was good. As a matter of fact, uh, in uh, biblical times, some voluntarily sold themselves into slavery. It was a good arrangement. Are you hearing me? And they loved their masters and they were faithful. They were faithful to them and they didn't want to leave. And this is the biblical model that the Lord uses for us today. The Lord Jesus has never mistreated you. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. And even when we are wrong, he still blesses us. He still keeps us. He forgives you. And he showed you and demonstrated his love for you when he paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. So is he a trustworthy master? Absolutely. Has he demonstrated his love for you? Absolutely. Has he demonstrated that he wants good for you and not evil? Absolutely. Time and time and time and time and time again he has. But yet and still, it's not very popular. You're not going to build if there are any uh, pastors in here today, Pastor Man, and there are other pastors listening right now. Hi. You're not going to build a church too quickly when you tell people you are slave to Jesus. But it is the truth. Amen. Hallelujah. He knows your destiny. He knows where you ought to be, when you ought to be there, and what you should be doing when you get there. Amen. He can provide you, and he provides us with, and, and I pray you get to this point when you can have, when you can experience the ecstasy of the Spirit. Yes, Lord. Yes, the sweet embrace of his presence. His unfailing love enrapturing you. You haven't felt anything until you felt the arms of Jesus around you and comfort you and love on you. 
but you must identify with him as being Lord, master, owner. So when you call him Lord, you're saying that you are in fact a slave. And that you are not your own, but you've been brought, bought with the price. Would you, would you say that about yourself? Say, I'm not my own, but I've been bought with a price. Are you hearing me? Now, let me give you another example of that. There are two cars sitting, let's say there are two cars sitting in a parking lot. There is your car and there's my car. Someone comes up and with their car key goes alongside and keys one of the cars and flattens the tire. Not prophesying, just giving you an example. <laughs> keys and uh, uh, puts a knife in the tires. Now, we don't know just as yet as to whose car has been keyed and the tires slashed. They even took a brick and threw it through the window. My God help them. Now we don't know whose car it is just yet, right? So we go outside and we find out that it's your car. I got the microphone here, not, not you. So we see that. Now, I will feel pretty bad. I will call the police, help you call the police, and we find out who did this. But the burden of responsibility is on the owner of the car. Right? Because you own the car, you have more emotional attachment than I do. That's your car. Mine is okay. I will help you. But because you own it, the pressure is on you. Right? Now grab a hold of this. If you identify yourself as slave of Christ, that Jesus owns you. Here comes the devil coming around and trying to key your marriage trying to key your finances, trying to flatten your relationships, messing with your children. Because the burden of ownership is on him, he will deal with the offender. But if you own you, if you don't identify yourself as slave, you have to deal with it. And heaven is not responding. Everything I got belongs to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. My marriage belongs to Jesus. My children belong to Jesus. Everything I have, it all belongs to the Lord. And so if anything happens, the burden of ownership is on him. Also, when you have valuables, you own valuables. You don't just leave, just leave them scattered out in the yard somewhere, do you? If you do, please give me your address. We just have to teach you a lesson. <laughs> no, if you own it, you're going to lock it up. You're going to always keep it secure because it's your responsibility. Right? Say with me, I am secure in Christ. I am secure in Christ. If he owns you. 
And when you make that declaration, when you make that decree, the Lord Jesus is my master. He is my Lord. He is my owner. And I am a slave. As Paul said, I, Paul, slave of Jesus Christ. As Timothy said, I, Timothy, slave of Jesus Christ. As James said, I, James, slave of Jesus Christ. I say, I, Mark, slave of Jesus Christ. I'm just saying what it says in the word. Are you understanding? We can identify with being a friend. Oh, Jesus is my friend. He's my homie. Great. We can identify with being children of God. We're all children of God. Great. But can you identify with being a slave of Christ? Hallelujah. So now you say, Lord, if it be your will. What is your will for my life? What do you want me to do? When he owns you. If not, you just make the decision. Praise Jesus. Go to Hebrews. Hebrews, the ninth chapter. Hebrews 9. I'm going to wait for you for a second. Hebrews 9. We're gonna, we have to ponder the question, why are believers... We mentioned this a little bit, but I want to go through this with you. Why are believers accounted as slaves unto Christ? Or why are the born, what should I say, why would the born-again believer be considered a slave of Christ? We're going to see this in here. Now, I just love the way the New Living Translation reads this, so I'm going to read this to you here, and then we'll go back and talk a little bit about it. This is Hebrews, the ninth chapter, verses 11 through 15, and it reads like this. Are y'all ready? So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. Verse 12 with his own blood, say own blood. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all and secured our redemption forever. Stop there for a second. Say redemption. Redemption. Now, this gives us a, a clue. This is one of the verses that gives us a clue about what took place there in heaven as far as the redemptive story. We see how Jesus brought his own blood with him into the most holy place. Uh, now, in the earth, when God gave Moses the plans for the tabernacle, he told them, he told Moses to put it in three sections here. The outer court, the inner court, and, and the uh, holy place or the most holy place. And once a year, the high priest would go in and they would take the they would take goats or, or, or other animals and they would um, sacrifice them on the day of atonement for the people that all the sins of the people would be uh, would be covered, would be covered for that year. Now, every year they came, there was a remembrance of sin. You you thought about what you did. Because the, the sin was not cleansed or done away with, it was just covered. And we talked about the covering of sin. You know, it doesn't remove it, it just covers it. Sort of like someone in the bathroom who had too much um, chili or something. 
We'll keep it there. And there is a, a stench. So they get the spray with a nice rosy scent and they all in there and they, they announce, don't go in there for a while. But you're in a tight. Lord help you. So you go in. Now your eyebrows are burning off. You go in and you still smell the odor masked with the rosy scent. Don't look at me like that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The sin or the odor was covered, but you know it's still there. God knows it's still there. It's just covered. Are you hearing? So the priest would go in once a year and they would do that. God said, I know it's there, you know it's there, but this will at least keep me around you. Who, my God, y'all really. Oh Lord would say, oh myself, my man, y'all really. But this blood has, of the animals has helped me. It's helped me at least to come down with y'all. Until the Messiah would come, until I would bring the perfect blood down. That would not just not recover the odors, but would eliminate them all together. I mean, this spray has like sharpshooter knocking down all the things. So you walk in and it's like hmm, nobody's been in here ever. <laughs> ever. It has completely removed all traces of it. Are you hearing? Amen. So the, the priests in the earthly, uh, the earthly priests came in and did it once, once they did it every year to cover pss, the sins of Israel. Amen. Right? But now Christ has become our high priest and he takes his own blood into the most holy place, but he does it once for all and secured our, redempt our redemption forever. He did it one time. And that one sacrifice with his own blood dealt with sin forever. Not covering it, not masking it, but completely taking it away. Therefore, there is no other need for someone else to come into the temple to present a sacrifice because Christ has done it. He did the work completely, took care of it, period. So therefore, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your sins are completely forgiven. You are justified. And remember, justified means just if you'd not done it, just if I'd not done it. Just like if it was a, just a new toilet in there. All right, let's get out of there. Verse 13 says, listen, under the, under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of young cows could cleanse the people's bodies from ceremonial impurities. Verse 14, just think of how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscious, consciousness uh, from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. 
For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Verse 15. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. So that all who will, so that all who are called uh, can receive eternal um, inheritance rather can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them for Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sins they had committed under the uh, first covenant Christ died to um, to pay if it were as it were our sin debt now we mentioned the word redemption say redemption redemption, redemption. so we asked the question before why is the born again believer why is the born again believer called a slave? Because of this redemption. Why am I a slave to Christ? Why, I like to say it this way, why I got to be a slave to Christ? As some would say, why I got to be a slave? Because of this word redemption. Say redemption. redemption. Now, the word redemption in the Greek uh, means um, the pur to purchase back or the purchase back of something that had been lost uh, by the payment of a ransom. By the payment of a ransom. Y'all seen the movies about somebody being kidnapped, right? Someone is being held hostage over there, you know, and they're held over there, and usually in the movies they're not treated very nicely, are they? Mankind was held hostage or was uh, held, held for ransom by sin. And I don't know anybody that said sin treated them very nicely. Because of sin, it has broken up marriages, it's broken up families. Because of sin, we lost our relationship, mankind lost their relationship with God because of sin. So Jesus came through his redemptive work. Remember, redemption means to, uh, to purchase back something that had been lost, to ransom ransom back someone had to pay the ransom mankind was held captive by sin because he transgressed the law of god he in simply simplest terms he broke god's law you broke the rules the breaking of the law demands the payment of demands um a payment and the the wages of sin is what death death there had to be a death a shedding of blood to remove the sin without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins someone had to die the blood of bulls and goats couldn't do it your own blood couldn't do it the blood of a righteous man the blood of a righteous woman mother Teresa couldn't do it it had to take God's blood his own blood that was the price of redemption to satisfy the wrath of God to pay the sin debt are you hearing so his blood had to be offered for us to pay the ransom for us. So we were held, mankind was held in captivity over there, held in captivity, ransomed. Jesus paid the price. In other words, the life that he saved now belongs to him. The life that was once dead, now he brought it alive. We are resurrected. We are new in Christ Jesus. Behold, the new has come. Now he owns a new thing. Are you hearing? Hallelujah. So let's look at, let's look at one more, then we begin to close out today. Let's go, let's go to the book of Luke. 
Luke the sixth chapter, Luke the sixth chapter. So here again, in the New Testament, as we talk about slaves, especially in the first century church, uh, slaves were treated as friends and to be trusted. They were really loved by their, they really loved their masters and their masters really loved them and they served them faithfully. This is a picture of all true believers in relation to Christ. Christ is our owner and we are his willing, loving slaves. Hallelujah. Now, because he, again, because he owns you, you just can't do what you want to do. He has a standard set of holiness, righteousness, and truth. Now, none of us can meet this standard in our own flesh. You can't. You can't meet it in your own flesh. You're going to have to seek after him. Seek after him. And the more you, the more you... Uh, receive from him the more you see him the more you will become like him the more you see him in his word the more you are uh, the more you should I say uh, the more you are the more you consume him the more you will become like him now let me show you a good picture of this as we close out today Luke 6 chapter Luke 6 and we're gonna look at just one verse here and then I believe we'll uh, close out for today are y'all getting this I'm a slave because of the redemptive work of Christ. He owns me. He owns me. If someone says he doesn't own me, well, then that means that you have to pay the price for your own sin. Jesus paid the price. But if we say we reject Christ, then that means you have to pay the price for the sin. And no matter what you offer to God, it won't be good enough. I tell you now, it won't be good enough. Many say to Lord, 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 haven't we done this for you? Haven't we offered this up for you? We've done all these things for you, but by work shall no flesh be saved. Only by faith in Christ Jesus. Having faith in what? Faith in his redemptive work, faith in the plan of God, faith in the blood of Jesus that was shed on your behalf. His blood atoned your sins. And because of what Jesus has done, you are now reckoned right in the sight of God. It, it is if you had never done it, you are justified in the sight of God. Does that make sense to you? Hallelujah. Now, there is a thing that's called being disobedient, a slave, a servant, but being disobedient. A disobedient servant. Now, if you are a disobedient servant, disobedient slave, then you, by definition, disqualify yourself from receiving much that the master has to give. You are out of alignment. And if you're out of alignment with the master, then again, that disqualifies you from receiving. He's not looking primarily at your actions, but your heart with him. Remember, if you believe right, if your heart is right, your actions will eventually line up with your heart. You understand? If the heart is right, your actions will eventually line up with your heart. Okay? Same token, if you, you can smile on the outside all you want, but if you hate somebody, eventually your actions will line up with your heart. You can't hide it. Eventually, it will seep through. Luke 6, verse 40, and we'll stop here. Luke 6, verse 40, it says this. 
Luke 6, 40, out of the King James, just one verse, and we'll look at more later. It says, the disciple is not above his one, his master. The disciple is not above his master. Now, the word master here is not Lord, but the word master here is um, uh, diakalos. And it actually means teacher concerning God and the duties of man. Teacher. The disciple or or um, learner or student or pupil is not above his teacher. Now look at this last part here. But everyone that is perfect, everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Now the word perfect here means, um, uh, the word perfect in the Greek uh, means to, to mend. It means what has been broken or rent. It means to repair. And I love this. The Greek word here means make one what one ought to be. To make you what you ought to be. He says, but everyone that is perfect, but everyone that is mended, everyone that is uh, repaired, everyone that uh, has a broken place that has been repaired, obviously by the teacher, shall be uh, as his master. In other words, it's the, it's the duty, it's the obligation of the teacher to make you like he is. And as long as you are a student, a pupil, a learner of Christ, he is forming you into his image. Does that make sense to you? As long as you are a student, a student is one here again. The Lord said, yeah, the student is not above his master. The disciple is not above the master. The moment you put yourself on the master's level, you cease to be cease to be student. Now, how would we put ourselves on the master's level? I'm glad you asked. When you say, yes, I heard what God said, but. Yes, I see it in the word. Yes, I hear the sermon. Yes, I see this, but. So we have put ourselves from, we've taken ourselves from the lowly place of student and exalted ourselves up to the rank of teacher. And now that we're at the rank of teacher, we're no longer looking like him, but now we're patterning ourselves to look like someone else. Now we're getting into some sort, some sort of idolatry, right? Trying to make ourselves look like someone else or something else. And we've lost the image of Christ. And this, in many places, is why the church is as it is today. How many are actually disciples, learners, students, slaves of Christ? Or how many have exalted themselves and I know what's best for me? I don't have to hear what you say, Lord, master, owner. I'll do what's best for me. I'll do what's best for this church. I'll do what's best for the people. I know what is best. And if someone comes to you from the back and tells you, Pastor, that's not the right way to take up the offering. Pastor, we shouldn't be doing this. We should have been doing that. And they puff themselves up in pride and say, I know what's best. And then what happens? The student is no longer a student, but the student is the teacher, and the teacher has exalted itself against Christ, and now the church looks skewed. Can you still hear truth? Are you still a pupil, a learner, a disciple, a follower, a slave of Christ? Or has the word been presented to you, and now our, hard, our heart 
is hard and we can't hear it. There's a mention of slave of Christ calls needles and resentment because you've got your own plans. Do you understand what's being said? So it's time for us to say, it's time for us to repent and we're going to pray in just a moment. We're going to repent before God. We're going to repent before God for putting ourselves on that level, for enthroning our own selves above that of Christ, for not hearing truth, whatever the source may be. We have to hear truth. If it comes from a child, truth. You know truth when you hear it. Because when it's presented to you, if you're doing something wrong, you don't want to hear it. Isn't that right? Truth. When truth is presented, we must respond with amen. And bow to truth. Come on, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, come on, everybody stand with me all around the building. We're going to repent before the Lord. In the name of the Lord. And if you are not born again, if you're not saved. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.